0: Welcome to the new and improved of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. If you like the shows, leave us a five-star review and a rating. It helps other people find the shows on the Bleacher Bunch Network. Uh, We've still got all of the series-by-series updates you have come to know and love, plus Bleacher Banter and more. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs' stolen base strategy, or lack thereof, for Bleed Cubby Blue, and as always, I am thrilled to be joined By the one and only Danny Rocket.
1: Hey, hey, I'm just, just sitting here, balking on my Monday. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) The balking.
1: The balking. Wow, that
0: was, that was exciting. What a way to lose a baseball game. Listen, I,
1: I have to do, I did Cubs pod for this one. It was my turn to do Cubs pod. If you don't know, Cubs pod is like a subsidiary of the bleacher bunch production. And, and it's also part of the sun show me and Michael Cotton put it out. It's just a, it's a little 10 minute recap. And I was unfortunately not able to watch this game yesterday, but I was tasked with doing the Cubs pod. So as I, as I'm reading through what happened in the game through like the summary and I'm like, wait, what happened? Wait, a balken like, what is, you know, and so I've just been obsessed with um, balk offs <laughs> ever since then, thinking about just um, how weird our game that we love has gotten so quickly <laughs> and just how it's just like it, it's it's just a totally different baseball game, different strategies, different extra innings rules, different balk rules. I mean, it's just it's bananas all of a sudden I don't recognize half the game that, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying the the difference, but um, I must admit, I feel a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs today. Just, I'm like, I feel like cats are marrying dogs. I feel like, you know, the whole world is turned upside down and, and I I don't really understand the earth anymore. I guess that's what happens to everybody as they get older.
0: Yeah. Wait, wait till chat GPT takes over. And then, you know, we won't understand anything at all. We'll just be, we'll just be, doing doing the bidding of our artificial intelligence overlords now in all seriousness <laughs> like the Bach the end run balked in, bock in I, I don't I don't know how you say it. it's Let's not quite careful. a bock off because the Cubs had one more at bat in the bottom of the night uh the bottom of the 14th as the case may be but it is just the most unsatisfying way to lose a baseball game particularly one where the Cubs came back multiple times right like they came back in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, the game looked like it was over and they tied it to keep it going. They came back in the 10th. They came back in the 13th and then nope, nope, the balk.
1: Yeah, especially because that runner didn't earn their way to third base, really. I mean, they were on second, got moved over on an out. Now, to be fair, uh, Jesus Sanchez hit a double right after that. But who's, who's to know if he would have if like we were already mad about the balk? Right, you know, I was like, it was like, well, might as well give up a double now. Who cares?" <laughs> like, no, it was only one run. The Cubs did fail to come back one final time, but you know, they probably are sad they came back in the ninth because they just kept having to blow pitchers, and now you got to face the Cardinals in one of the rare division matchups in a season that does that has significantly fewer divisional matchups. Now you're coming in limping by with a busted old bullpen. I mean, it's too bad they came back. Just yeah, like, they should have like, lost
0: it in the ninth. Yeah, in just the like, ninth. Yeah, you had a
1: Cy Young Award winner about to complete game. You just let it happen, just let it go. There's no shame in that game. Hey, he won the Cy Young, and then he then he did a complete game against us. No shame. Everybody's fine. You go with an intact bullpen. They should have lost. I I rarely say that about a Cubs, a, you know, a Cubs game, but they should have lost that one. Because now, now what do we face? A rainy well, Monday against the Cardinals.
0: We're going to talk about the Cardinals in a bit, but we got to talk about the Marlins some more first. Uh, sure, sure. So this was, this was much better than the last Marlins series. The Cubs won two out of three here. We're real focused on the loss. Cause that's the most recent one, but they did win yeah. the first two games and those were fun. Uh, Matt Mervis is here in Chicago and already doing quite well by my estimate. I mean, we haven't really seen the power yet, but we have certainly seen him make some contact at key moments. The, the glove at first base looks great. I mean, he he turned a double play in the second game of this series. It was like a 3-6-3 type of action that I'm just not sure Hosmer or Mancini even makes that play. Like, I think that Matt Mervis has looked outstanding. I'm really glad to see him here getting his shot. Another guy who is doing way better than I expected uh, with, some, with an early look this season is Miguel Amaya, who has been scorching baseballs, calling some good games. I mean, I don't know if you heard... The post game yesterday, where Hayden Wisniewski was talking about how great it was to throw to Miguel Amaya, how prepared he is back there behind the plate. I mean, this kid came up from double A, really doesn't have a ton of experience working with this pitching staff at all, hasn't played a ton in the last few seasons due to injuries. I I just think it's awesome to see Miguel Amaya up doing the business. and making an impact for this team, it'll be I'm you know, I'm sure he goes to maybe they'll just send him to AAA when Jan comes back. I mean, I don't know why he has to go back to double A. I think he's proven that AAA is where he belongs, but I, I don't pretend to know all the ins and outs of the Cubs roster. What do you think of our new guys, Danny? Well, yeah,
1: I mean, uh, we'll start with Miguel Amaya because he came up first and he hit the ball really hard with nothing to show for it. For all those, you know, people that love exit velo, exit velo into a glove is still an out. And uh, Miguel was doing a lot of that. But, you know, anything you really get with the bat um, from him is pretty much a bonus because, as you said, he comes up all the way from double A was injured so much of his career. So that's been sad. It's really been a a setback for him for so long, but to, but to hear that he's catching well, and that uh, that means he's pretty studied as to what he's supposed to do, that there's like a system wide, maybe concept. Now you got the button, the push button pitch calling now. So that's going to help a lot of things. Like, you know, Ross could be calling the game for God's sakes, I mean, you know, he probably is so uh so in that situation you can just kind of press the right buttons and and get it done but yeah he looks the part so does Mervis look in the part um that looks completely comfortable out there at first base uh Miguel made it, it was uh was it no it was, was it yesterday's game that he d- made two put outs in the uh the extra innings yeah so it must have been yesterday so there was the one play. I mean, He didn't do it, he got the one guy caught in a pickle when the ball was hit back, yeah. To, uh, was Nesky,
0: yeah, like was the one five two situation or whatever, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a one five two, yeah. I know then, what you're talking about. And then
1: there's the other one when the ball was hit to magical and they went home with it. And they, and so these are tough defensive plays for a catcher to be making, especially like two in a row. And you're calling the game and stuff, and he just was right on it, like there was no hesitation from him as to what to do the pitch calling has been good the bullpen hasn't been giving up any any runs he's been out there um pretty consistently these were these were tight games against the marlins even smiley who didn't pitch all that great still managed to not give up a lot of runs and i mean i think the guy in the bubble's got to be barnhart because like not on the bubble because they'll probably keep him and stuff but like why why send amaya down he can play a little first base. He can play a little third base. Like, not that you need to know the third or first baseman. We got platoons all over the world there. But, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like maybe he earns his way onto the team. Like, I, I mean, what Alex Rios has gone to make way for him. And then we're still looking at the Hosmer situation. And I know they're just going to stick with him. But I, I don't know that maybe it's Velasquez that they don't need. You know, like, I don't know. Like, they had a third catcher forever. Why is it not Miguel Amaya?
0: Well, I think that part of the reason they had a third catcher forever is because they knew they'd lose Luis Torrens because they couldn't option him to a minor league affiliate without – like, he wouldn't he – they'd have to DFA him. He wouldn't yeah. clear waivers, which is why he's an Oriole now. Um, I sort of have a hunch that they're going to roll with the Tucker-Barnhart-Yan Gomes combo for a bit. I think that I, – I, I tweeted this about two weeks ago, but it's still true. Like, love anything as much as David Ross loves some backup veteran catchers that's like his favorite type of player and i mean no shade he was that dude so i understand why he likes those players but oh my god the way david ross talks about catchers and like tucker barnhart and stuff i'm like nobody in the universe is that excited about tucker barnhart tucker barnhart's mother is not as excited about tucker barnhart as david ross is um but it's nice to see amaya getting you know basically a 50 50 split of catching duties at the moment. With Tucker Barnhart, that's really valuable experience for him, and frankly, um, I have a hunch when Jan is back, he'll go, he should go to triple A. He doesn't even need to be in double A, in my opinion. Like, just let him try it, let him see what he can do at triple A. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the games the Cubs won. Uh, so Justin Steele just continues to deal, he has been outstanding going back all the way into the second half last year now. Mark Leiter got the save in this first game. And you know, why not? Like let's, let's just see who can get some saves. Cause it doesn't appear Brad Boxberger or Michael Fulmer want that job. What did you see in, in game one from Justin Steele and from the bullpen Danny?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll start with the last thing you said was the bullpen. Yeah. I heard David Ross say on the post-game show, he just kind of laughed when they talked about a closer. <laughs> he knows we don't have a closer. Every the word is out there. We don't have a closer. It's going to be by committee. Who's the freshest. Who's the hot hand. And you know, Leiter, He's throwing that junk up there, man. Like, you know, it works. It plays to the lefties, you know, it, and it plays to the righties. Like it's sweeping across the zone and for whatever he's found for the moment, you got to, got to play it because you know, it's not going to play forever. They're going to get a book on it. Hey, don't swing when he throws this one, <laughs> you know, cause it's ball cause it's a ball. You know, he's, he's, these guys are swinging like bugs bunny and at this pitch, but I don't think they will forever. Um, you know, it, it's been effective. So let's go with it. He's a, 30 some odd year old middle reliever that's caught on somehow right now. Um, Is it going to last? I don't know. Is, but box, do you trust Bo- box Do you trust Fulmer? Sometimes? I don't know. Like nobody's like lights out. You got nobody that's like this high end back of the ro- back of the bullpen arm. So Hey, if it works, then Ross likes like, it looks like a genius. If it doesn't, well, he doesn't really have much to play with anyway, so it's a bunch of just not scrap heap guys, but they're not not high end. Um, as far as Justin Steele goes, he's he he may be the best, one of the best pitchers in baseball right now, as far as effectiveness goes, and maybe we've have the Cubs developed a Cy Young arm out of their own. No, I, I'm just saying, like, all right, all right, how about uh, ERA? an ERA leader. Cause remember um, Kyle Hendricks was the ERA leader and they wasn't even in the Scion conversation, you know, that year that he was the leader and maybe it's this kind of situation. This guy's so effective on keeping runs off the board, but it's not the most elite stuff in the world.
0: Yeah. Justin Steele is really interesting to me. Um, I, I mean, it's hard to argue with what he's been doing so far. He's got a 21.8% Strikeout rate, a 6.7% walk rate. Ground ball rate is 52.2%. That'll totally play, particularly with the defense. The Cubs have put up behind him. um, You know, he's 5-0, over 43 and a third. Innings pitched so far this year, he's been great. And also, that 1.45 ERA is going to regress at some point. The FIP is closer to 3.14. That's not Justin Steele's fault. I mean, he's just not really a swing and miss type of guy. He's getting a lot of help from his defense back there. I guess my my thing that I wonder about with Justin Steele, when I listen to people who know a lot more about pitching than I do talk about him, they have concerns about the fact that he doesn't really have a four pitch mix. Like some of these other guys, he's kind of like a two pitch guy and he's just really good at locating those pitches and sequencing them to get weak contact from hitters. And he has been writing that now for months, I going all the way back into like last August. That's what Justin Steele has been doing. There's no reason to believe he can't continue to do that. He has been doing it for multiple months now, and I would love to see him do it as long as he can. And also, if he suddenly gets shelled by some great offensive team, that would not really surprise me all that much, given what we know about his pitch mix and how he's been doing what he's been doing so far.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's a surprise. <laughs> like it's, it's a surprise. <laughs> yeah. And so for you to not trust it is partially, um, just the fact that nobody predicted this and be that, um, you're a Cubs fan and are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Of course. So it's how so, I was yeah. born. So, but no, he, Justin seal wasn't at the top of everybody's prospect list. He was the, you know, America's top 100 pitchers in the nation. He was never that guy. And um, so whatever, you, you know, he was drafted in the fifth round in 2014. So it's been a while. Uh, so we're, we're, he's from, you know, the Gulf coast of Mississippi. Like he's not a travel ball kid. You know what I mean? Like, so those guys don't get the the clout until they're up there striking everybody out and and being effective. And they figure something out. Maybe it's the pitch lab. Maybe it's the fact that he's a student of the game. Maybe he's just smart. Maybe he's getting halfway lucky. But when I, when he was over at Club Four Hundred, he talked about how he's always been able to spin the ball. He's like, my whole life, I've just, it's just always felt natural for me. And so this works with today's modern game when they're like. It's not a. I mean, sure, it's velocity, velocity. They want that, but they figured out that if that velocity is too straight, doesn't matter. They're just gonna hit it over the wall. They're gonna take that velocity and whatever that science saying is, like something plus force plus negative force equals the home run. (laughs) Whatever that you know, I'm talking about the kind of. I don't
0: know. This sounds like part of physics that I slept through. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. I never even took physics. Like I was good at the plays, so they're like, ah, he doesn't need physics. Just, just give him uh, that credit, you know. Um, anyway, people know what I'm talking about. The velocity plus force plus mass equals like, anyway, what I'm talking about is yes. they figured out that it's better to spin it up and make them not barrel it, which makes sense. Like, don't let them get the whole barrel of the bat of the ball and then they hit it in the ground or they'll pop it up or they'll miss it all together and strike out, you know, especially in this situation where everybody's swinging up, you know? So, um, so he figured that out. He figured out how to counter, uh, counter it. And he said he's always been comfortable doing it. So maybe he's one of those beneficiaries of this modern game at this exact moment because even J.K. Arrieta, when he was spinning it up there, it didn't work forever. But when it works for that time, it really worked. And and he's inducing similar kind of results, you know, not necessarily the Bugs Bunny swings because the strikeout rate isn't really eye-popping for Steele, but it, but the results are eye popping.
0: Yeah. I think, end up
1: with a three ERA like, and that'd be still be as solid as hell, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think that what you're getting from Justin Steele right now is outstanding and, and you don't want to change any of it. And at the same time, I just think we need to be realistic about expectations here on yesterday's. Um, I watched part of yesterday's broadcast after I came back from the game uh, I just kind of I am that girl who will like just put on the game that I already saw and have it on in the background while I'm doing other work. And at some point they mentioned um, Jake Arietta's run in 2015. And I'm like, OK, there, buddy, like these are not the same thing. Like maybe you can go back on some sort of e- like, ah, oh, first guy to have an ERA under two over X number of starts and blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, sure. And also these are not the same thing. Like, I, I just feel like people should temper their expectations a tiny bit. Um, we talked a little bit about game three already. You talked about the Bach in, which whatever. Um, honestly, I, you know, nice to see the team have some fight in them. Wish they would have pulled it out. It was a beautiful day to be at Wrigley Field. One of those like high 70s, low 80s days that you get in the early part of May. And it was just a nice day to sit out there and watch some baseball. Tough loss. Not too cranky about it.
1: No, well, I guess if you would sat through the whole darn thing, I mean, although it was still under four hours, so it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing in the world, um, and, and it was a beautiful day, so yeah, you're not gonna cry about it, but um, I mean. When you get into that clown ball, Rob Manfred runner on second, garbage at the end, it really ends up being a bit of a toss-up as to how the game's going to go. I think their main concern is not is to remove the competitiveness of the two great teams going at these two major league baseball teams. They're removing the competitiveness and they're um, make trying to just to make the game end quickly. And so when that is your goal, it's just it at this point in my opinion the the home team advantage is gone because the you cuz you as the home team have to decide how you're going to work, work your bullpen whereas the visiting team has the advantage of knowing whether they scored that run or not or whether they put up 3 runs now maybe they put up 3 runs well now um you don't have to use your closer anymore, but you might've already burned your closer. So now maybe you're screwed for tomorrow, you know, that kind of thing. So it, I just, I don't like the rule. Um, so yeah, I don't, I can't be too mad about it. Cause it's really just, I mean, it's a 50, 50 shot. By the time you get to, uh, to uh, the runner on second and stuff, like there's so many ways for that run to score. There's a lot more, way, you know, there's a lot of pitchers that don't like coming in without a clean inning um, and that all, it's all, all of a sudden a dirty inning. Like there's especially relievers and, and certain relievers, you know, like closers, for example, they're not supposed to use them that way. The mentality of that is not good. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm not too mad, but would have been nice to sweep them and return the favor. Uh, the day we almost lost two or three, by the way, if you consider the fact that the Marlins basically beat themselves the day before. Um, with that really sloppy eighth. Was it the eighth? that they? It was the eighth totally inning. Booted? Although
0: I preferred to look at that as the Cubs, young guys getting it done in the eighth inning. Cause that was really a Matt Mervis, Miguel Amaya powered. <laughs>
1: they were involved. There. <laughs> they were there. Yeah. They were there. Well, the Marlins they did things. the game away. They, yeah.
0: They hit, they hit the baseball.
1: Yeah. So they almost lost two or three. And then, but that first game—I mean, just we, just one more thing about Justin Steele, real quick. Um, he leads the team in innings, right now, as well. So that's another thing to that I am equally impressed about. Um, yeah, I mean, God, to play the Marlins—this is two times because those were all one-run games. It, not this weekend, but last weekend it was, and these were all close games. This time, I think what two runs was the first game, and or maybe three, and then. Two runs was the uh, the next game. I, I forget the exact score. But, um, yeah, to me, uh, to be playing – the Cubs and the Marlins are evenly matched teams. They have equ- – they, they both have strengths. They both have weaknesses. They're both 500 squads deep down in their hearts. Whether they p- play above that or below that is up to the makeup of the individuals playing the game. But talent-wise, these two teams, they're kind of fun to watch go at it. To be honest, like these are evenly matched teams with different, you know, they've got high end starting pitching. We don't really have a Sandy Alcantara on our team. We have Justin Uh, Steele. Yeah, but we don't have, we don't have a Cy Young award winner, except for maybe Justin Steele, even though nobody trusts it because he's from the Gulf States.
0: (laughs) That's not why people don't trust it, Danny. They don't trust it because he has like two pitches. And, and he uses them really well, but like, I, mm, that doesn't have anything to do with being from the Gulf States. It has everything to him. do with the
1: pitch mix. They're, they're jealous of, of his fishing skills. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, I, dude, I would, well, maybe not today. I would not want to go fishing. It's a dreary day here in Chicago. Um, Let's take a quick break for our sponsors on the flip side. The Cardinals are coming to town. One of the best rivalries in baseball. There's a ton of Wilson Contreras drama uh, in the offing, but first let's take a quick break for our sponsors. All right, we're back before we get into these matchups with the Cardinals and the excuse me, the last place St. Louis Cardinals, the the historically bad start St. Louis Cardinals for 2023. um, I want to jump in a little bit on this Wilson Contreras narrative. I don't even know what's going on here. This is the wildest thing that I've ever seen happen to a player. And I'm just going to say one. If the game happens tonight, it kind of looks like it might get rained out. But if the game happens on Monday night, I will be there and I will be cheering for Wilson Contreras. And two, how is it Wilson Contreras' problem that the Cardinals have no pitching? I mean, I'm like, you're you're rolling out there with the like corpse of Adam Wainwright. And you've got Miles Michaelis was never very good to begin with. Jack Flaherty has been broken for three seasons now. And somehow it is Wilson Contreras' fault that bad pitchers can't pitch. And I am just like, I, I can't even with this narrative.
1: You know, the dysfunction is real and that's kind of what I'm enjoying more than anything because for them to throw, I mean, for a while there, I was kind of getting into the idea of Wilson being a heel and that, oh, he's with the better organization now. And he's the new Yachty and like, you know, uh, just stick it. He wants to stick it to the Cubs. And I would understand why, like, he feels like they disrespected him and didn't give him the contract or that he got with even St. Louis, like they just, the Cubs were ready to move on and that made him upset. And I can understand that he was with the team for most of uh, 15 years, something like that, you know? So I understand why he would be upset have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Even I can understand why he would talk bad about um, the organization because of these things and, and try to endear yourself to the new fans and all that stuff. But, so I was all ready to hate on him and, and like, give him like one ovation and then boo him and all this stuff and razz him if he played left field and all this stuff I was ready to do. And now I feel kind of bad for him. Because what the hell, Cardinals? Like, you've outdicked yourself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't think you could be a worse organization than when you throw a guy who, by the way, is batting okay. Like, he's got yeah, he's like fine. a 780 OPS. He's, you know, he doesn't have a lot of pop in the bat, but he's, you know, this is the guy's first month on your team. He's acclimating himself. He's got a whole new pitching staff and you throw him under the bus, take away his catching job because you don't think he's doing, doing a good job. Meanwhile, Derek Gould, before the, the season started, the freaking St. Louis dispatch guy was all like, oh, you guys are going to be really shocked. It's going to be amazing. He's like a cat back there. And everything that you thought you knew about Wilson Gutierrez is catching, it's 50 times better. We fixed him, everything. And then a month later, like, no, he can't catch anymore. He's like, exclusive DH, because your pitching staff was garbage in the first place, like you said. Like the freaking glue factory that is Adam Wainwright, that somehow manages to go out there year after year after year, um, with probably just the help of the fact that yadi Molina will the Elbers don't even want to deal with him for years because, like, oh well, if we call any if we, if we call anything a ball on the margins, Yadi just freak out on us. So, like, let's just give yadi his game. All that freaking BS respect that he got from the umpire disgusting disgusting balls are sticking to his chest for god's sakes and they do nothing you know and then they and sorry i'm getting off track but garbage organization to throw wilson under under the bus on this one and i don't know what to say like it's it i can't believe i'm on wilson's side again i was all ready to be against him
0: well I'm, i'm glad to see you back on the side of truth and light danny um but the Really, the thing that's kind of killing me with all of this Cardinal stuff, one, all of the metrics, like all of the things we can actually measure about catching, framing, pop time, how much do you throw a guy out, like all of the things that we can actually measure. Say Wilson Contreras is not only, like he's just fine. Like he's a slightly above average defensive catcher. He's a very good hitting catcher. The way people are trying to make this case about Wilson being not, Capable of catching, which apparently like the Cardinals have decided. And this is the part. Sorry, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. This is the part where I'm like, the Cardinals are the worst and dead to me forever. They apparently didn't warn him that this was a thing that was going to happen. Like he comes into the clubhouse and sees that one guy is gone. And that a new catcher has been called up and then they had a conversation with him. Like if I'm reading these reports from Katie Wu over at The Athletic correctly, that is the order of operations. Like Wilson showed up, saw there was a third catcher <laughs> in the clubhouse. and was like, hey, hey, guys, what's going on? And I'm just like, that is trash. I'm sorry. Like it's the second time this season that the Cardinals front office has looked super amateur. The first time was with the Tyler O'Neill staff where – Tyler O'Neill apparently wasn't doing things the Cardinal way. And so they just benched him for hashtag reasons. And it's like, y'all want to like do your Cardinals. We do the, we do things this way and we're going to like do a show of force by benching people or taking jobs away or whatever. Go for it. But I promise you that Wilson Contreras catching is not the reason the Cardinals have the worst record in the national league right now. You do not have a very good starting pitching core your bullpen has been questionable a bunch of guys who you need to perform offensively have not performed to expectations looking at you nolan arenado like that's why the cardinals are not doing very well at the moment when you're giving up six plus runs to the detroit tigers what it doesn't really matter who's behind the plate for that like (laughs) it's not a wilson Contreras problem well
1: i mean if you look at some of the defensive met- metrics uh, you know between like defensive runs saved it actually has been off of last year when yadi was doing uh, quite a bit of the catching and the, amongst some of the other people cuz yadi was old but um on the margins the cardinals are losing they're one in seven in one run games um they have managed to win their blowout games but um they uh, they played, they've got swept by some pretty decent teams too. Like Atlanta swept them there in first place. The Dodgers swept them there in first place. The angels swept them there towards the top of the league. Uh, if, if not second place right now, maybe third, I'm not sure, but um, it, they've played equally bad at home and uh, on the road. But like, it's like the margin, the margin, when you've got one in seven in the one run games, you know, this It's not like it looks a lot better if you win even half of those games. Like, let's say you're four and three or three and four, you know, like, or not that I'm doing the math wrong, but let's say you're, let's instead of one and seven, let's say you're four and four and you had another three wins to it. Then you're, you know, at this early in the season, that doesn't look so bad, you know, like they're, they're playing way behind their Pathag. For example, they're 16 and 19 in Pathag. You know, they haven't, it's when I looked at their stats. The other day, um, they're average. Their bullpen ERA is average. Their uh, home runs average. Their uh, you know their OPS average. Everything's average about them. They're losing on the margins. Now to blame that all on Wilson Contreras is that like because he's the new guy? I mean, the the cat. I mean, it's it's hard to know because I have not seen a single Cardinals game. This will be the first one tonight that I'll see. But yeah, for him for them to scapegoat him seems like pretty bad. Cardinal way, you know, that is that the cardinal way, and is is it the manager? Like, where did this manager, Marmol, that's his name, right?
0: Yeah, Ali Marmol.
1: I mean, w- was he like a bench coach or like you know?
0: Yeah, it was definitely an in the system type of guy. But actually, it's interesting that you bring up the manager situation because I actually saw um God. I can't remember who who mentioned this. I I wish I could give them credit. Uh, There's been a lot of really great pieces on the Cardinals and their dysfunction at the moment. But, you know, one of the Cardinals writers that I read was talking about how the Cardinals sort of botching the messaging, the botching of the Tyler O'Neill thing, the like weird botching of the Contreras thing, that that kind of goes back to when they fired Mike Schilt, that that was that messaging was all messed up, too. It was like nobody really expected that to happen. And then it happened. And it was like it was very messy and very non-Cardinals. Um it was it's definitely not in the piece that I'm looking at right now which is um Jay Jaffe over at Fangrass has a really good write up on the Cardinals being just kind of a mess right now and like it is so weird that they have decided that the guy that is going to bear the brunt of this is Wilson Contreras. I I'm just like he's going to be there for the next 5 years. You're what are you doing? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I mean, maybe they can trade him. Maybe let's be like, we made a mistake. Let's trade him. Uh, maybe they will. Like, I mean,
0: this know, is this a is a quote po- from Jaffe's piece, and I agree with all of it. As to what suddenly turned the Cardinals against his catching, this smacks of management finding a scapegoat to cover up for the assembly of a mediocre rotation that ranked twentieth in our positional power rankings. Like, that's it. It's scapegoats yeah. are us. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, and you can point to a few things like. You know, I don't I'm not gonna sit here and say besides his arm, Wilson is not the greatest defensive catcher in in the league. But he makes up for that with his bat. So obviously the Cubs wanted to go to a different direction. Wilson took offense to that. Obviously, you know, he thought he was a much better catcher than he is. The framing's kind of there. I mean, he worked on it, but you know, it's they, they liked throwing to Gomes better the last year. It, the philosophy for the Cubs has changed. They've moved on from Wilson. That's fine. But th- the Cardinals knew exactly what they were getting. They knew everything. They hated like they hated Wilson Contreras. They hit him every time he came to the plate. Uh, the, sort of the Brewers. I think the Brewers did it more than the Cardinals ever did it. But they hated Wilson Contreras. And then all of a sudden, he's the kind of guy you like. No. He's a fiery dude is there to fire up your team. He's, he's got a, he's got a lot of passion. Um, like Yachty, I think they thought they were getting Yachty part two and they might've been able to do it, but you know, Yachty was a great defensive catcher. I will never take that away from him. The bat wasn't really there. You know, he couldn't run like Wilson could run, you know, Yachty he's probably still running to first base from last year somewhere. (laughs) Um, so I don't know. It's, it's hilarious. As I said, the thing that I'm enjoying is the dysfunction of the St. Louis Cardinals because this could be a lasting legacy for a moment before for they can write their own internal ship. And it's just great. Sink, sink into your boring sea, St. Louis. I don't care about you.
0: Maybe uh, Wilson Contreras is still doing the Cubs work after all, causing dissension in the Cardinals locker room. Godspeed, Wilson. We we love you. Uh, let's talk about who the Cubs will see Uh, in this three-game series at Wrigley Field. Um, Their last uh, games at Wrigley Field for a bit, if I recall correctly, I think they're on the road for a while after that. So if you're going to get some Cubs baseball in at Wrigley Field, you you need to do it in the next three days. Um, Probable pitchers we've got tonight, Miles Michaelis versus Marcus Stroman, then Jack Flaherty versus Jamison Tyon. This series will wrap up on Wednesday with uh, Jordan Montgomery and Justin Steele. Kind of interesting in that, like, Stroman has been pitching much better than Michaelis. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of tie on because of the injury. He just came back and threw a few innings against the Nationals. But Montgomery versus Steele really is their best pitcher so far this year versus our best pitcher so far this year. And I'm curious to see what happens with these matchups.
1: Yeah. I mean, all the Cubs Cardinals games are going to have that feeling. <laughs> you know, it's they're all going to involve like, uh, a comeback and uh some annoying thing will happen, but something also great will happen. That the the energy will be charged and I'm excited to to see what happens, of course. We only get three stateside uh series this year and the other ones in London. So um yeah Jack Flaherty not a great year so far. 629 ERA just not pitching like himself. I don't know what's going on with him. Um I'm I'm gonna blame uh Wilson Contreras, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing it's his fault. He has nothing to
0: do with all the injuries Flaherty has had and the fact that he hasn't thrown a full season in multiple years. It's all because of Wilson Contreras.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's his fault. Um yeah, no, he hasn't thrown a full season since twenty nineteen. You know, yeah, yeah, the last 190, Well, 190. and in that twenty
0: nineteen season, he looked he looked pretty ridiculous, but it's been a hot minute.
1: Yeah, no, it's been a moment for Jack Flaherty, and that's too bad. I kind of like him, his politics, yeah, I do too.
0: anyway. I, I like him as a human being. I don't like him throwing Wilson and Contreras under the bus, but that's neither here nor there. Um, in terms of hot bats, the Cubs have three guys who have been swinging a hot bat lately. Everybody else has kind of cooled off considerably. Those hot bats are Cody Bellinger. He's got a WRC plus of 142 over the last t- couple of weeks, Ian Happ. At 135 and Trey Mancini at 132. That's really it. Everybody else has been struggling to various degrees. Uh, what do you see from this offense right now, Danny?
1: Yeah, I mean, we lost three or four to the Nationals, if you recall.
0: And I, I recall. Came,
1: yeah, and then came in and pretty much almost lost two or three at home to the Marlins, except for them their own self-destruction and relying on their ace to not well they didn't go they didn't go to their closer they don't maybe they don't have a closer either i don't know um at the end of yesterday's game so we're we're playing these kind of not great teams pretty tight so yeah it would be nice to i've been asking on cubs pod every day because every other day we tell you what happened in the game and i've been asked and then we preview the next game i've been asking for a crooked number and we haven't gotten it like we have had a couple of comebacks we kind of exciting uh certainly some exciting games, but I'm looking for the Cubs to go up, like by the fourth inning, it's already eight to one. And, you know, you just, the wheels have come off the bus for the other team. Like let's get a laugher in there. Let's let everybody relax and stop getting so tight. Um, I I do have uh, a concern about the Cardinals bats tonight. Because they tend to, except for a few starts where he was he had righted the ship, they like Strowman. A yeah. lot of their – they hit Strowman well, and they've seen him a lot. So I'm I'm a wor- little worried about tonight um, more than the other matchups. To be, I mean, Tyone, like we don't know. <laughs> we have no wow. idea. Like it'll be what I, what it is. It either be it's, it'll it'll probably be average. That's actually the best you can hope for is an average Tyone start because he's an average pitcher doing average things.
0: Well, the Cardinals' you just, batters you want to keep a closest eye on uh, who have been red hot over the last two weeks. Paul Goldschmidt still just doing Paul Goldschmidt things. He's slashing three eighty two four twenty four eight hundred with a WRC plus of two twenty nine over the last two weeks. Uh, Andrew Kizner, who is the catcher, the starting catcher now, I guess two sixty three three hundred. 526 with a WRC plus of 123. It's worth noting that he barely makes the cutoff here. That's 20 plate appearances over the last two weeks period. Paul DeYoung has been writing a little bit of a burner. He's slashing 276, 344, 448 with a WRC plus of 120. Brendan Donovan, who is like one of those Cardinals dudes you drew up in a lab, uh, he is slashing 300, 364, 400 with a WRC plus of 117. And then Dylan Carlson and Lars Newbar. Uh, WRC pluses of 112 and 111 respectively, although it is crowded in that Cardinals outfield. So I don't know if you see both of those guys at the same time, or if they kind of do some playing time swaps or whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, they've got that offense that can pretty much, they probably have on paper, the best offense in the division. Would you,
0: I really just think that Wilson Contreras is going to rake during the series. And I, I know that like, he's had a rough week And he's been struggling a bit at the plate recently, but don't you sort of feel like Wilson Contreras gets up in the morning to come into Chicago and put on a, put on a show. Like, I feel like that's what he does.
1: Absolutely. And if if you recall, he would do that on the South side a lot too. Yeah. And uh, so I I don't I think he's the kind of person and this is why I say tonight you know I know what everybody's gonna do exactly what they're gonna do they're gonna give him a huge round of applause and uh, there might be a smattering of booze because of the comments and all the you know the, the everybody going nuts about um, what he said but um, I really think that uh, booing him will make him stronger I think the <laughs> thing that you could it will it'll be like Ryan Braun. You know Ryan Braun would come in. He was he loved playing the heel. Braun would come in. We would boo him, and he would make him stronger. And he hit game winning home runs and just be a thorn in our side for his entire career, really. Now Wilson wants to be this guy. He's seen this happen with Braun. He wants to be the new guy that comes in and absolutely sticks it up our butt. That he can't wait to come in Chicago and thro- and hit balls into. In the bleachers, he, he's hoping to injure fans. I think that's how he's he's going to hit the ball so hard with just such passion. I think it motivates him. I think the booze will motivate him. I think our best bet is to do nothing, to go up there and let him get, wait for his ovation that they've already pre put in there for, you know, they had to give 24 hours notice for the ovation, and he's going to go up there and be waiting for it, and everybody's, nobody's going to do anything. That would be hilarious.
0: Well, and, I'm going to be cheering, so I
1: know that you're going to ruin it.
0: Yeah. Well, sorry, Danny. He's my favorite player. That's not going to change because the Cardinals are in town. Um, some Cubs bats who need to heat up in order for them to have a better shot during the series. Uh, Nelson Velasquez has cooled off after his absolutely torrid start. I mean, there was nowhere else to go, but down. he'll he'll be back. I'm not worried about it too much. Eric Hosmer also struggling. A bit recently, he has WRC plus of 56 over the last two weeks. Um, I'm sorry, 70 for Hosmer, 56 for Nico Horner. Say Suzuki at 40 and Nick Madrigal at 30. Like all of these guys need to get moving a bit for the Cubs to have a shot against the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, can we talk about Suzuki for a second? Because I feel Let's like he it. gets lost. He gets a little lost in, in the conversation sometimes because, you know, he was injured, and then the, kind of the excuse was, well, he didn't have spring training, so it's going to take him a second to get going, and I totally understand that and stuff. But there was, like, one particular swing that he took on Friday, um, and it just – he was just – I mean, it didn't even look like a swing. It looked like he was, like – chopping wood or something I mean it was just it was one of the most it was one of the worst swings I've seen all year and I he was not sold to me as a player that swings like that ever like you know more of like the businessman swinger like I know offense and I have a level swing and I'm never going to get too fooled but man he did he get fooled and so I don't know uh, uh looks a little lost I'm not sure what's going on there, but um it just is not playing the double plays. I mean, yeah, I know situational hitting isn't the easiest thing to do in the world, but I can't think that they have a particular book on Suzuki right now that they would just find the hole on him in Hayward like ways. And, you know, it's it's a little concerning. And maybe now that I said this, the dude's just going to go on a tear, but the power hasn't been there. The, you know, he's, I don't know. I mean, he's hitting singles, I guess, but like,
0: no, I mean, that's, that's a good point. I'm not, um, yeah, I'm not totally convinced one way or the other. I, I agree with you that when I have watched Suzuki recently, he kind of looks, doesn't look lost, but he doesn't look, great if Com- that makes yeah, it doesn't
1: sense look, it doesn't look comfortable i mean he's got it's, i mean maybe this is just what you're gonna get out of him like right i, I think we we're just hoping for more like if he ends up being one of those dudes that's basically a glove first dude but right now his ops plus is 90 so you're just kind of hoping for I and mean, so if he gets back to like replacement level player I, then you overpaid you know for this situation, but yeah, I don't know you're you're kind of just hoping that he's gonna put something together he's the dude's twenty eight years old, you know, like this is the moment, man, like you had your year, your year in the bigs, and now we're waiting for you to come out, but like you know right now, his batting average is basically the same as last year, two sixty two last year, fourteen dogs two fifty nine this year, only the one dog. I mean, I don't know. He he also, like, struck out quite a bit last year.
0: Uh, yeah, no, that's a, a that's, I was really more. good points. I, I mean, I think that we don't know what Seiya Suzuki is at this moment in time, and I it'll be interesting to see what happens over the course of what hopefully this season is a full season where he gets a chance to get comfortable, he gets a chance to go on a burner a little bit, and there's no injuries that interrupt that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like if you think of like Miguel Amaya's career to start, uh, you know, just being injured all the time and never getting going and, you know, a lot of promise. You see that a lot of times with major leaguers, just things just you think it's going to be great and then it just doesn't quite ever gel. So I'm, right. I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan. Like you know, I I really want him to succeed. You know, I I think it's great for the Asian American community in, in and we're, for world baseball in general to have international, uh, make good international mix of players on your team. I find it interesting. I find it, it's you know. To be, if you want to call it the World Series, let's have players from the world in the World Series, and and I like that it's from that you have these players from all over the world. So um, I know the Japanese press was super excited when he started last year, and it just would be nice if he became a big star. <laughs> like that's all we wanted, you know, just at least a fan favorite. Like he's he's boring us.
0: Oh, boring. I, I mean, you got to give him a shot. I, I think that we got to see what he can do and give him a little bit more of a shot here. Um, speaking of Danny, oh, when, when we're trying to give say a Suzuki a shot, where can people find you or where can they find your takes on whether say has got it today or not?
1: Well, I'll be honest. I'm really busy right now, but so my takes will be uh, a little bit sparse for the next week and a half. Cause uh, I'm putting up a show at the Trapdoor theater. So plug, 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 uh, Bowie in Warsaw is going up next Thursday. It's a like cool little artistic piece. Anyhow. um, yeah, at Sunranto. You can find all my stuff there. But we'll we'll be doing the Sunranto show. not This week, we're going to do Friday before the game. So it'll be like a pregame thing. And then I think we're going to do a game hang watch on the Discord. That will only be for our Patreon people, unfortunately. So ho- hopefully, Sarah, you can h- hang out because it's my birthday.
0: Oh, hey. Well, um, Friday, I'll have to look at my calendar. But I should be able to hang out. I'd be happy to. Yeah. Sounds, like, sounds like fun. That's an evening you- game, right?
1: It is. So unfortunately, when you turn 49, uh, you're kind of a loser. And what you're going to do is sit online with your friends and watch the ball game. And they go to bed at 11 because you have tech rehearsal the next morning.
0: (laughs) Well, you're really making me look forward to that one, uh, Danny.
1: 49. (laughs) Well, 50 will blow it out. 49 is a little bit somber, if you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> a little bit anticlimactic over there. Uh, you can find me and my Wilson Contreras takes at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find my writing at bleedcubbyblue.com. And tonight you can find me at Wrigley Field, hopefully, uh, if this weather lets up, cheering for the return of my favorite player. But if that winds up getting pushed tomorrow, then so be it. Um, until next time, have a good one.